Industry Focus. The podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, November 11th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's Wildcard Wednesday show, we're talking fitness. More specifically, we'll dig into the companies changing the face of fitness in the 21st century and what the future holds even post-pandemic. Joining me this week, he's the head analyst with My Wall Street, where their aim is to help you own your financial future through investing. And you can learn more about them at MyWallStreet.com. It's Mr. Rory Karen. Rory, thanks for joining us. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How's everything How's, going on your side oh, of the pond? Oh, great, 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 great. How's things in America? All quiet, I assume? Oh, no, no news here. <laughs> I mean, it's all just sort of the status quo. Everything's just kind of normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, obviously, um, there's a lot of headlines flowing here this time of year, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how all of this shakes out. Uh, but, you know, hey, at the end, we 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 just hope democracy prevails and, and we can all, uh, you know, put one foot in front of the other, right? Well, we're all rooting for you. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. We're rooting for us too. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of big headlines and news and, and sort of, you know, we're going to steer away from the politics of it all. But I mean, this has been a very big news week earlier on, obviously, the headline uh, dropped that Pfizer uh, had, had uh, come up with some very positive vaccine news. And, and this obviously uh, sent the markets into an interesting direction, right? I mean, we saw a reaction where um, the word rotation started being thrown around more and more as sort of these stay-at-home stocks maybe became a little bit more out of favor. Uh, some tech in general, perhaps, became a little bit more out of favor. Uh, you know, maybe some more money was flowing into cyclicals, uh, cyclicals that were seen as maybe more of a value play. But I, I'm curious to know, I mean, you guys are in Ireland, for our listeners that don't know. Um, but obviously, you, you follow uh, our markets here uh, with My Wall Street uh, as well. I mean, how, how are you and the team viewing all of this stuff going on right now in regard to, to the pandemic, in regard to the vaccine? stay-at-home stocks. What, what are you guys talking about these days? Yeah, I mean, I, I recall that story from, I don't know if you've heard of Joseph uh, Kennedy, the the Kennedy uh, paterfamilias who who's, was a shoe shine, started getting them to, uh, started giving him investing advice. And he saw that as a sign of like mania. Uh, <laughs> I do recall that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that story? It, uh, when, 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 when my phone starts getting messages from my friends uh, about investing, I know something big has gone on. I know mania <laughs> has hit the markets. And Monday was definitely one of those days, you know, it was, uh, it was I mean, it was a joyous moment, wasn't it? You know, and I, I think everyone wants to be really optimistic about it, but you know, in one way, we had the scientists telling us, you know, we still need to remain cautious. And then, you know, he looked at the market. It was like the age of Aquarius chorus line. Yeah, people were just, <laughs> <laughs> it was going kind of mad. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the news from Pfizer was all positive, but it doesn't look like things are going to end anytime soon, does it? It's, uh, it's going to be a slow progress process. And um, I think I saw a survey once that, you know, half the population of America don't even want to take a vaccine, which... Given how, how uh, you know, uh, politicized it's been, it's hard to blame them, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, it feels yeah. like it's a shame there's the political angle to that. I, I, 
I mean, I guess there's maybe at least some some air of caution there and in, in folks feeling like maybe a vaccine was developed so quickly. Is it going to mm. really be safe? I mean, I understand all of those concerns. I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, that's that's just a survey and it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, the the election polls <laughs> here. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it says one thing, but really, uh, in reality, it turns out to be something very different. But, yeah, it, it does feel like with all of that, all of that good news, I mean, it is it is it is worth remembering. I mean, we still have a ways to go here in, in exercising caution is, is clearly the prudent move. Um, how do you what do you when you guys are looking at I mean, this is this whole stay at home stock phenomenon. We'll, we'll talk about fitness specifically here in, in just a few minutes. Um, but but, you know, looking looking from a little bit of a, a higher view, right, a bigger picture beyond just fitness. I mean, we've seen a lot of really good businesses that have have they've 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 benefited from the tailwinds this year of the, of this move towards more digitization right move towards this digital economy uh, and, but the selling that we've seen here over the past few days and some of these plainly very good businesses i mean i'm looking at everything from wayfair to etsy to teledoc health to uh, i mean you know you, you insert name of SaaS company here right i mean yeah it's not it, it, what we try to explain to our listeners and our members. It certainly is not a condemnation of the business. It's simply the psychology of the market. It seems on any given day, which is tough to tough to predict. I mean, like the really great news that came out on Monday was uh, that no one's ever going to have to shop online again. You know, we, <laughs> oh cause, yeah, because we all hate doing that. Yeah, because we all we all want to drive to the store. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like no, you know, I mean. Never mind that e-commerce penetration basically kind of jumped 10 years ahead of the trend line over the last six months. You know, last I clocked it was something like 36% in the US, up from 16% pre-lockdown. And yeah, you know, of course, the next few months, you're going to see the streets of New York, Chicago, LA are just going to be strewn with abandoned Peloton bikes because, you know, (laughs) post-COVID world, no one's going to want to work at home anymore. We're all (laughs) sick of it. (laughs) I mean, jokes aside, look, of course, a lot of these businesses got a huge boost from from the pandemic and from the fact that we were all stuck at home and we didn't know how long we were going to be stuck at home at. And some of the valuations, you know, were getting quite ahead of themselves. And this is just a, a kind of reset a little bit, you know, I think it's, I think it's nothing to be too worried about. There's still great businesses and, and, and that penetration, you know, when you, when you think about how many people have now signed on to things like Etsy and signed on to things like Amazon and, and Wayfair and put in all their, their credit card details and organize all their shipping information, that stuff's not going away. That's going to, that's going to remain. That's, that's a habit forming moment, you know? And I, I think, I think they're going to benefit long-term out of this totally. I think you're right. I think it, it's just it's accelerated a lot of uh, a lot of habits and folks who maybe were on the on the fence before, um, you know, this this sort of helped them make that decision, uh, which which I think ultimately is, is is a good thing. And I don't know that we'll we'll see that changing anytime soon. Um, you know, let, let's talk about fitness specifically, because, um, you know, fitness has come a long way in a, in a very short period of time. Technology has not only given us more ways to stay active but, but more ways to keep track. And, and that really, I think, encourages people even to, to, to stay more active. I mean, it, once you, something that you can measure, I mean, it becomes more clear the benefits and clearly more people are, are getting it done at home these days. So where do you see the future for connected fitness versus the gym? I mean, is the gym, do you, do you feel like the gym's going the way of the movie theater? Yeah, well, like my, my first experience of, of connected fitness or, or was, 
was Nike Plus. I don't know if you remember that. It was like a, I do a, remember he, that. Yeah, he bought a special sneaker that had a little pocket, and you put a USB size key into it, and it kind of measured <laughs> your steps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that that was kind of my first experience of. It. And then we had a few years where there was kind of a big movement in it, but it still felt really analog. You know, you had Map My Run, you had those heart monitors you could buy, and, and My Fitness Pal, and even kind of the the early fitness trackers. It kind of seemed very much like digital fitness, but not necessarily connected fitness. Because, um, you know, so much of fitness comes down to motivation. Um, a computer program telling you to, you know, walk an extra thousand steps, it's a useful nudge, but it's really nothing compared to being motivated by a human who's using, you know, humor and empathy to get you over the over the last mile. And, and that experience makes you feel part of a group. It makes you feel part of something more. And I, one of the things I love about connected fitness as, as we have it now is that it, it totally flips the old gym model on its head. You know, the most profitable gym members are the ones that never show up. And, and, and that's actually most gym members. I think it's, yeah. I think the average is like 82% of gym members don't go regularly. Whereas connected fitness, because of the subscription model, it's, it's all about engaging people in fitness. You know, the more engaged you are, the more likely you're going to continue paying for that subscription. And, you know, I saw a survey from TD Ameritrade. This was back in July where it said 59% of Americans didn't plan to renew their gym membership after COVID. Um, wow. So, you know, people, and, and look, that's not all going to connect to fitness. You know, I, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I've been spending an awful lot more time outdoors uh, since the pandemic hit, you know, going for walks, going for swims. But a lot of places, you, you just can't do that. You know, that's going to be hard in New York and Chicago and in the next couple of months. I know you guys are having a kind of Indian summer there at the moment, but, mm-hmm. you know, when it gets cold, those, those opportunities aren't there for people. And, I just, the numbers are all heading in the right direction for this, for this uh, business, um, you know, for all the, and, and it's kind of moving towards, it's kind of following the gaming industry slightly as well. You know, gaming's going in a kind of a 2.0 where now it's a lot more of social media, you know, social oh, yeah. media has an awful yeah. lot of like, you know, for all its negative uh, effects, it can have positive aspects as well. And, you know, there's definitely a kind of support network being created around these connected fitness devices. Um an awful lot of positivity in the kind of connected fitness groups that are, that are coming up on, on Facebook. And it's a lot, you know, it's, I think things have changed quite a lot in terms of fitness is not so much about getting the six pack anymore. It's about being healthy, you know, feeling energized, yeah. you know, yeah. wanting to be out there and, 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 and things on Instagram where people are, you know, going out and hiking and cycling and just being outdoors more and being more active more, I think is an, is a positive over the long run. Um, and, you know, like the, the old gym equipment that you used to get the reputation of the laundry rack, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I definitely had some as well. I had, you know, the, the, the barbells back when I was a teenager and, and they definitely uh, worked as a clothes horse for quite a while. But um, <laughs> these new offerings are like they're providing so much more. You know, there's this fitness training, this social interaction. There's a, there's a gamification to the whole thing. And, and it really is all about engagement. And, and I think when you look at the companies, you're seeing some crazy engagement numbers coming out yeah, you know, I, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that that difference between uh, device and community because I, I think that's where a lot of the advantage does lie. I mean, like, I, I don't own a, a a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or anything like that. I, I feel like if I had one on my wrist and it was buzzing, telling me to get up and walk, uh, it, a couple of times of that, and I think I'm throwing that thing in the trash. Like, I just don't <laughs> want to sit there and be bothered, right? I'm a connected enough as it is <laughs> with my phone. Um, but the difference there, I think, you know, when you're a part of a community, 
there, there's something else there, right? I mean, there, there's a kinship there. And I think that um, leads us into, you know, we wanted to talk about Peloton today because I think Peloton is one of the companies that's really, um, you know, really exploiting this, this idea that community can, can help motivate people to, to stay more fit or to exercise or to incorporate at least some sense of fitness into, into their lifestyle that, that maybe they didn't have before. Um, and and I'll, I'll be the first to say, I mean, when Peloton went public, I mean, I don't want to say I was, I guess I was skeptical. I mean, I wasn't necessarily bullish or bearish. I was just kind of maybe on the fence with it thinking, hmm, I just don't know how big of an opportunity that is. But but clearly they're doing something right. Their latest quarterly results seem like a little bit of a mixed bag, but I would say positive overall. And, and it sounds like they just inked a very interesting new partnership as well. So what's your what's your impression of of how Peloton is doing these days? Yeah, Peloton's a company I've liked for an awful long time, like way, way pre-IPO. I don't know what I saw in that business, but I saw something in that business where I just thought this is this is going to be a great a great business going forward. And what, one of the things I always loved about it was that people got so stuck on the pricing. Yeah. Um, I think that's one, it's, it's become one of my kind of new novel bullish signals. Whenever you hear someone say, no one's going to pay that much for that. You know, that's <laughs> how, many times, yeah. how many times we heard that and then seen, you know, uh, the iPhone be a huge success, you know, or yeah. the numerous other examples. But and, you know, you break, you know, the, the pricing is a, is a thing, but, you know, it just takes a calculator to break down that it's actually not that expensive. You know, you, you, if you if you were to take the bike and and the subscription and, and 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 talk about the installments that they give, I think it works at something like a hundred dollars a month or something like that. Whereas and if you're using it, if you're getting the engagement that they're getting, which is like people using it 20 times a month, that's like five dollars a session. SoulCycle's charging like thirty five dollars a session in, in, in New York. So oh, so yeah. the pricing argument, I think, falls down quite a bit. But what I really like about it is the is the use of the scale, you know, like. There's one of their uh, their trainers, a girl called Robin Arzen. She has six hundred thousand followers on Instagram. She's Holy she's cow. one of their, their their big stars. And as you just said, I mean, they just announced uh, Beyonce has signed a multi year uh, deal with them. Uh, I haven't verified this, but I just saw on Twitter one hundred and four thousand people joined for the first fitness class that she hosted that just <laughs> happened this Lord. morning. And <laughs> wow, and, yeah. And look, look, no other gym is ever going to be able to offer that. You know, th- no. th- this is this is harnessing the internet to make the impossible possible through scale. You know, and and that's because they're able to amortize those costs over the hundred the the one point three million subscribers they have. Yep. You know, we look and it's this very there's a lot of similarities to Netflix. I feel you know we think about. Netflix, why is Netflix potentially going to win this streaming war? Because their cost per per subscriber is, is so much lower. You know, they can they can pay out the big bucks. Uh, and that's what Peloton has now. Peloton has that scale where they can offer the absolute best experience. And similar to Netflix, you know, it's not Netflix was never really about the shows, was it? It was about control, you know, it was about having that control over your that's life. Right. And um, and when you think about the the founder story of of Peloton, it was built. For control as well you know the founder just had two kids he was working very hard he'd, he'd gotten into the soul cycle thing and he wanted to be able to maintain that and, and being able to bring it into the home and control when you do it you know that's that's such a powerful thing for people and and, and there's it's it's proven out you know there's um jp morgan estimated that they would hit 3.6 million connected fitness subs by 2024 they're estimating 2.2 just this year. You know, wow. this, this thing is growing like a like wildfire, and obviously, COVID's had a big impact on it. You know, their their revenue grew 232 percent in the last quarter. That's that's not normally what you see if, it, if these are strange times. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but you know, but I, the engagement figures are still so high. They're getting 20.7 monthly workouts per subscriber. And that, that means that people are going back to these things day after day. They're not becoming the clothes horse that, that, that we think of when we think of home gym equipment and they've got sky high retention rates, you know, 92% retention. And it's really becoming a platform. You know, I think, um, the focus on the pricing is, is the hardware argument. And, and they still are very much a hardware business, you know, don't get me wrong. Right. But, but it's that recurring revenue that's, that's coming down the, the, the end line when, when those people are, that those cohorts are building year after year, that's going to be really important. It's going to build that platform. And they can do so much more with that. You know, they've gotten into apparel. There's so much many more um, avenues they can go down with rowers. And I think they're really going to become kind of like the, the I hate to use the term Apple or Amazon of anything, but I think in terms of branding, they're definitely going to become kind of the Apple of fitness. You know? it, it feels that way. Then. And I mean, it's, it's really worth remembering that this is, this is still, I mean, this is a story. It's still so young. I mean, they're so early in their development and, and, you know, one of those things that we look for in great investments is optionality, the, the chance to do more with what you've got. And, and they've done such a good job of building that brand. I and mean, the brand awareness for Peloton is, is I, you know, it's top of mind, I think, for anybody who really thinks fitness this, this you know, these days. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly can understand um, concerns, maybe the, the, the hardware, you know, the exercise equipment is expensive, but, but again, I mean, you, you look at that over the longer stretch of time. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be that way. And, um, I mean, if you, if you don't think that they're going to be developing new equipment, different types of equipment, then I would say that's, that's, I would disagree with that. I think that's clearly what they're going to do. Um, and, and fitness can go so many ways. And, and then to your point, the retention rates are just, those are, those are really phenomenal. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the commitment that you make when you buy the equipment. Um, and then also, you know, we know that acquiring customers is expensive work. And mm. when you've acquired that level of subscriber base and you have that type of retention rate, it's just that much more difficult for competition to come in there and encroach. It's that much more difficult for competition to come in there and really take that share from you. So it, it really does feel like like Peloton, there's just a, a lot of good things they're doing. Now, on the flip side of that, you, you mentioned Apple. And so, you know, yeah. I, we, we have to talk about Apple. This is clearly an elephant in the room in regard to virtually anything these days. Um, you know, recently, Apple, uh, you know, held their event, the, the event that they held, you know, sans the iPhone, right? The, the event that they uh, excluded the iPhone from, they talked about all these different offerings and, and um, Apple One, I guess it was that platform. But part of that is a fitness offering. And, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I am... I'll be the first to say that, you know, I mean, a company, just because they're huge and they have all of the resources in the world, that doesn't mean they can automatically just go in there and win. We see plenty of examples where, where large, uh, you know, well-capitalized um, competitors try, try to get into a particular market. And, you know, it's a lot more difficult than they thought. But what do you think about Apple's fitness offering and, you know, what is their opportunity in the space? Yeah, I mean, like the, so I called uh, Peloton the the Apple of Fitness about a week before that uh, <laughs> that event, and my Twitter feed was just flooded with people going, "I think someone else wants to be the Apple of Fitness." Right. <laughs> well, but I mean, I I I I think it's going to be far more difficult for Apple to actually be able to compete with Peloton. I think that just because it's Apple doesn't mean they're going to win. I, I don't think they can get in there and just do it. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and I heard the term Peloton killer used plenty of times. And, uh, and actually, uh, there's, there's a concept I stole from David Gardner. You might remember this one. Um, he wrote a great piece about when Amazon launched Handmade by Amazon, I think. 
And the USA Today actually called it an Etsy killer. And the stock ah, yes. dropped. It was destroyed. It went down like 75% over the course of the, the year. Um, and so I always like to see that. I always love to see a headline, anything along in, in kind of the template of big company launches small company killer. That's a great, that's a great bullish signal to me now. I, I really, uh, I really love that piece by David all those yeah. years ago. Yeah, that's I a good one. It. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, because what it signals is that the smaller companies onto something great, right? Sure. You know, Apple has looked at Peloton and gone, hold on, why aren't we in that business? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, my immediate response to Fitness Plus was that, in my opinion, it's not really a serious competitor to Peloton. You know, there's a little bit of crossover with Peloton's digital app, um, but the Fitness Plus doesn't provide live classes, you know? Yeah. Uh, essentially what they've done is they really, they've rebranded the kind of free workout videos that you find on YouTube, uh, which is, sure. and, and charge you for them. <laughs> that, well, that was my impression. It, it just, it, to me, it seemed like it was just, you know, YouTube with an Apple brand stamped on it. Yeah, I mean, look, there's very limited crossover between the Fitness Plus and Peloton's Connected Fitness subscription, definitely, because, you know, what people are paying for there is the integration with the in-home devices. They're paying for the live instruction and they're paying for that fast network of like-minded enthusiasts, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I will say about Fitness Plus now is like, you know, since September 2015, Apple's revenues increased by kind of somewhere around 17, 20%. However, Apple's market cap has almost quadrupled in that same time period. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know how did that happen? Uh, well, uh, back in 2015, they were getting a price to earnings multiple of 11. Today, it's something like 35. And the way they've done that most, like, is, is, is they've done something brilliant. You know, the most accretive thing a, a company can do today is move from a transactional revenue model to a recurring revenue model. Oh, yeah. you know, that, that exploits this fundamental flaw in human, humans' minds, which is that inability to register time, you know? <laughs> and so you know, Apple's greatest innovation in 10 years hasn't been launching new products. It's been growing that recurring revenue from what was really low single digits to now 23% of its recurring revenue. So, yeah. so that's, that's, that's where Fitness Plus comes in. And, um, and that's why I think they're doing it. It's, it's probably going to be a worker for them, but it is surprising, quite frankly, to hear Apple Bulls uh, make the argument that Apple is going to win because they have the just good enough product. You know, <laughs> Apple doesn't yeah. want there. Apple wants to be the Peloton. Now, that's what they want. Um, so, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't buy them out earlier you know and I've, I've said that about apple so many times before there's so many times you look at a business and you go why didn't Apple just buy that um and i'm sure they've got kind of some grander plan down the line but uh but i think peloton's pretty safe uh, against apple's fitness offering at the moment i yeah i tend to agree i mean I, I think you know for all of for all of the efforts that they you know could potentially make in in that space it, it to me it, it really does it seems like it's just meant to be almost the bigger story to me is Apple One. It's not Fitness Plus. I mean, Fitness Plus, along with like Apple News and Apple Music, they they come along with all of these little, you know, these services. And, mm. and that way they can take these services and, 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 you know, lump them into a value-sized offering where they can really, you know, focus on on getting that recurring revenue, that, that subscription, which could, you know, come at a reasonable price. It's stuff that scales really well. They don't have to put terribly, you know, too much thought into it. And, and it gives them that recurring revenue stream that, you know, it doesn't require as much attention, right? I mean, they're not doing the same thing that Peloton's doing. You know, call me when Apple is actually selling equipment and building a community 
uh, like like Peloton's building, then it feels like maybe you're talking about a true competitor. That's that's why I've always felt like Apple Fitness Plus is just going to be one more little offering in that overall subscription in in their goal to really try to you know build out that that recurring revenue. And and so you know, I mean, it it probably does okay. I mean, there are plenty of Apple Apple folks out there that'll that'll subscribe to it, I'm sure. But I you know, I don't think it makes as meaningful as an impact. Um, to the exercise, to the fitness community, is something like no. Peloton does. No, it's 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 all about the bundle, isn't it? I, can't, I think yeah. it was the CEO of Netscape coin said, uh, "Business is all about bundling and unbundling." You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's so funny. Like we're watching the whole, you know, the video streaming. I mean, that that's a great example. There, we 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 were for so long. We were raised on this bundle with cable, and then Netflix came along with the internet, and it all be all of a sudden, you know, the bundle is is bad, and you can just get everything you want on Netflix. And now all of a sudden, you've got all of these competitors and if you want to watch all of the shows that you like the most you, you, you have to have multiple services so then it starts to become a little bit more like the bundle again so it's just, it's funny to watch it come and go but um it's you know i i don't know that i don't know that there's ever one distinct direction it goes it really is all about just the consumer and finding what the consumer wants and i i just yeah i tend to i tend to think that when you have a company like peloton that's devoted towards one specific thing and doing it really well you know, you don't, you don't want to just sit there and say, oh, well, because Apple's bigger and has all of these resources, they're going to be able to displace, you know, this, this smaller incumbent just because they have all of the resources. It's, it's, it's far more, far more involved than that. Yeah, absolutely. Gold dilution. Look it up. It's great. <laughs> it's great theory that uh, you can always throw out there when someone makes the big, the big company take over the small company arguments. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's talk about another company that's gotten a lot bigger here over, over the past several years. This is, I mean, this is a company to me, it's just really impressed over the last several years. It's Lululemon. And I mean, when you look at what Lululemon has been through, I mean, leadership issues, questions regarding growth, expensive products, will consumers really buy it? Limited market opportunity, perhaps. Um, listen, this company has responded on virtually every front. And over the last five years, the stock is up over 550%. I mean, it, it appears now that they too are finding a way into this connected fitness opportunity. Yeah, man. I mean, when I started at my Wall Street, we had three sports apparel companies in the showroom. And um, I think you can probably guess what they were with Nike, <laughs> Under yeah. Armour and Lululemon. They were picked by our, our CEO, Emmett, who, who used to write for you guys, I think, sure, all those yeah. years ago. I mean, if you t I, I didn't I'd never even heard of Lululemon back then. If you told me <laughs> that this kind of niche Canadian yoga maker was going to be the big winner out of those three. I'd have laughed at you. I really would have. You know, we were all we were all kind of <laughs> chuckling at that yeah. point. None of us, I think, really bought into it. And, and like as you said, it's just it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish with yeah. no management. <laughs> Pretty yep. much, this is like one of those businesses that just runs itself. It seems. It seems um, that way. But I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the surprising thing with Lululemon, I suppose, and, and when I first looked at it, it just looked like it was just one of those, you know, apparel companies, horizontally integrated, was probably going to get bullied like by Nike or by Under Armour or by any or Adidas, you know, any other of the, oh, yeah. the sports apparel companies, just, you know, it's just make yoga gear, you know, it's, <laughs> if people want yoga gear, we'll make yoga gear, no problem. But what we found is Lululemon is so much more. It's a vertically integrated business. They control absolutely everything from, from the fabrics they use. They, they make their own fabrics all yeah. the way down to the in-shop experience. And, you know, and, and so we saw, you know, back when the sports apparel uh, wholesalers or retailers were getting shut out then in, was it like 2017 when Sports Authority closed? Oh, yeah. Nike yep. was getting hammered. Adidas was getting hammered. Under Armour was getting hammered. Lululemon, 
didn't even didn't even uh, blink. You know, they were just fine. Uh, they had the direct consumer business. They had their stores. They had their concessions here and there, but really they, they controlled the entire customer journey. And that's why I think that this company is, is doing so well, you know, and they've, they've built themselves out as a real lifestyle brand. And um, yeah, they made a very interesting recent acquisition, um, a company called Mirror, which is, as you'd expect, just a mirror. Uh, yeah. It's a mirror that you hang up on your wall and uh, you push a button and suddenly it's a, it's a kind of portal where you can interact with a with an instructor and, and, and check, he'll check your form and you can uh, get into interactive classes similar to the kind of Peloton. And kind of what I liked, the, my instant reaction to this was like, what's holding back all those uh, rich New Yorkers and their apartments from getting a Peloton? It's space, isn't it? You know, like that's the, that's the main thing. You, that well, would be people it, yeah. can't, can't keep these big bikes or big treadmills in their apartments because it's, it's so crammed. But so I, I really like this idea, this idea of just putting something that would be hanging on your wall anyway and, and turning it into a, a digital portal to do this kind of stuff. I mean, they, they, they paid 500 million for it. That sounds like a lot of money for a company that's only been around for two years, I think. But um, they were, they were, this company makes money, you know, they were, they were slated to surpass hundred million in revenue by the end of this year. Uh, and, and they've got a similar offering to Peloton, you know, it's, it's a big upfront cost. I think it's 1500 uh, to buy the device uh, or $42 a month. And then it's something like $600 a year for kind of the premium subscription package. But what I kind of like about the Lululemon connection with it is that it's, like I said, it's more than just a, a piece of workout equipment, you know, it's a portal. And, and, and for a company that's so obsessed with being direct, being directly tied to its its customers this is great you know this is the this is the amazon alexa of connected <laughs> yeah. fitness this is getting inside the home yeah and you know and, and uh, the the founder of mirror had a kind of different idea than than um peloton did he kind of saw it as a platform more than anything else and he kind of thought that you know other companies would be able to come in and and offer it so other brands you know core Peri yoga or pure beret would be able to come in and they'd be able to offer classes through this through this device and I'm not entirely sure which way Peloton or Lululemon's going to go with that. I don't know whether they'd want to, like, as a company that tries to control everything so much. I don't know. I think they'd probably like to bring all that stuff in house. But moreover, now they've got a place to sell to their direct to their user that end sell. You know, they're able people be able to buy stuff through this thing, and that's why I think it's a really interesting acquisition for them. You know, it's it's not going to make a dent in their revenue for quite a while, I, I suspect. But it's all about continuing that that direct consumer journey that they've been on for so many years. And um, yeah, really interesting purchase. Really, really excited about the ambition of that business in terms of expanding itself out to a new opportunity and and, and getting in here at a time when when connected fitness is all the is all the rage. You know, they they have competitors that that mirror product. There's another one called Tonal um, that I see advertised a lot, and, and that they've raised a lot of money recently. But I think I think it's a it's not it's it's not a zero sum game here. I think a lot of people are looking at these devices now and thinking we need to get one of those things whichever one it is we need something in the home that's going to keep us fit and healthy yeah and it extends the relationship i, I like i like the idea um you know, I've, I've thought about this as just, the, you, you know, I run the, the augmented reality and beyond service here that focuses on immersive technology. And the first thing I thought of when I saw this acquisition, I was like, you know, I mean, it, immediately I can see someone exercising with Mirror and then shopping, right? I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah. all it takes is a little, just a little augmented reality technology 
to let people try, you know, that Lululemon gear on, you know, in mirror. So you're in your, your house, your home in, I mean, you, you can try things on, you can see what they look like. You can see what it looks like on you. I mean, you can make those purchases like it really, like you said, it's a portal to something far more than just exercise. It's commerce, it's exercise. It, I mean, it could be, I mean, it's, it's a long, a long lasting relationship. There's certainly a lot of potential there with that. I think it was even, a good acquisition. Even- Think it, think it, think even broader, man. Think about like the instructor saying, "You know what? Whoever puts in the best effort today gets Lululemon vouchers." How about that? Like, you know, <laughs> like this that. is, uh, you know, this is the the opportunity that you have when you get inside the home. You know, Amazon knows it. You know, they've they've been working on this Alexa stuff for quite a while. They know what they're yep. doing. And Lululemon's going, you know what? We could be in the home too. And I think this is how they're getting in there. I think that's going to work out well. Um, now let's let's wrap up the discussion today. We don't have to get too terribly in depth with this one, but I did want to get your take on Google and Fitbit because you know back in 2019, November of 2019, Google announced it was going to acquire Fitbit. Now Fitbit, obviously a business that a lot of potential when they went public, you could see what they were trying to do. Uh, You know, it it didn't work out quite so well for them. They had a lot of challenges. Um, It's difficult being in in hardware. You have to come up with that software to to really create the relationship. And and we've seen other businesses that have succeeded where Fitbit fell short. Um, You know, maybe this Google acquisition uh, helps in that regard, right? I mean, maybe it helps them scale that fitness platform. I don't know yet, but I mean, to me, the interesting part is, the deal was announced in November 2019. Here we are today. The deal still hasn't closed, and regulators have now pushed the date back to January 2021. Um, I mean, what do you think the chances are this deal actually doesn't happen at this point? I think there's a chance. I definitely think there's a chance. Um, They're know, all on seems, the radar now. I mean, it's yeah, like, they are, aren't they? I mean, like, and it, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you think about Google buying a business for what is it, two point five billion? It seems such yeah. small fry, but then you know the whole point of these antitrust hearings was looking at those smaller acquisitions, wasn't it? It was looking at you know buying Android for a couple of hundred million. Now look what it is. You know buying YouTube for a billion. Now look where that is. You know, so it was all about going backwards and saying where did we where did we make the mistakes in the past and are we making them again right now? So yeah, I think there is a good chance it doesn't go through. And and you know what? I've just be honest. When I saw that that purchase price. As much as Fitbit's had its problems, I do think they were getting it for a steal. You know, that seemed like a very low price to be paying for a company that has, you know, you see Fitbits everywhere. I've had, I've got a yeah. Fitbit. I really like it. I will say that they've had challenges with the software though, and with challenges with the platform. You know, I remember I bought a, a new one recently and they gave me, um, I think it was three months free of, of Fitbit premium. And uh, about three months later, I got an email saying my trial was over. And I went, oh, what? I was, I was on Fitbit Premium. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't realize I, that. I, I think I looked at it once or twice, but it just, it just wasn't anywhere near what you yeah. were getting from the other big players, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, fitness, we talked about Fitness Plus. The you know, Fitness Plus is probably going to impact Fitbit more than it's going to impact Peloton. Um, but yeah, look, we'll see how that one works out. I still think it's amazing. You know, we talk about connected fitness and where we've, where we've come, you know, it's the fact that we have all internet connections, the fact that we have fitness trackers, the fact that we have a, a pedometer in our pocket, every single one of us now, that's the kind of infrastructure that we needed to, to make this stuff kind of really available to everyone. And, and it's just a really exciting space. I think, I, I think it's going to be one of the most exciting kind of, uh, industries we'll, Peloton's kind of defined a new category now, but it's going to be one of the most interesting places to watch over the next couple of years, especially with COVID. Depending on whether COVID comes continues or whether it, it's over, I still think there's some great businesses out there and, and great products for people to, to, to own and to try. 
Well, remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. You can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. Make sure to follow My Wall Street and Rory on Twitter. That's at My Wall S T H Q and at R O R Y C A R R O N. Rory, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Look forward to having you back on the show here real soon. Anytime, my friend. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Always a pleasure. All right, but all the best to everybody there in Ireland. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Rory Karen, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 